episode 36 of the Murder Sisters podcast. Welcome back. I'm Justine. I'm Elisa. And, and we, we are, are the Murder Sisters. <laughs> I try to change it up every time uh, yeah, and it always one. sounds the same. Yeah. Anyway, I think we'll yeah. save it. We'll just stick to, stick to what works. Um... Today, we are going to be covering the case of Ellen Greenberg. Mm-hmm. So this is a very controversial case. It's mm-hmm. a, another like crazy mystery one. We love these ones. I don't know what Elisa's, Elisa's doing the second half, and I'm mm-hmm. so excited to hear because I know nothing about it. So this is a case that was ruled a suicide, but like, let me tell you, the evidence in this case points way more towards murder. Mm-hmm. So... Let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Any announcements? Might hear a crying baby, to, but don't worry. The baby's with his dad. And yeah, we're not. I'm not like <laughs> leaving him. In if a you ever room. hear a crying baby, he's just with his dad and yeah. wants his mom. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> um, all right, and that's Elisa's baby, not mine. Yeah, I don't have one. All right, so uh, this case is covering, as I said, the suicide of Ellen Greenberg, which occurred on January 26th. 2011 and Manayunk, <laughs> yeah, that Manayunk, was a tough one. Philadelphia, Pan- Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, at the time of her death, Ellen was 27 years old and she was working as an elementary school teacher at Juniata Park Academy in Phil- Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Ellen was the only child born to parents Sandy and Dr. Josh Greenberg. She was born on June 23rd, 1983 in New York, New York. 83, that's my born year. Born year. So I can relate right off the bat. (laughs) Ellen's mom, Sandy, said that Ellen was a joyful, loving, warm, social person. So she was just like, you know, a great person. And she liked to cook. She loved fashion. And she was an overall just well-rounded child and adult. It sounds like she was, like, responsible. Just did, you know. She was just not problematic. Yeah, it's like normal person. Wow. When talking about his daughter, Dr. Josh Greenberg said that Ellen was truly a daddy's girl. And that they both enjoyed going to baseball and football games together. And one of her very close friends, Alicia Young, who she met on the first day of college at Penn State, said that Ellen's smile was infectious and she lit up the room. And, you know, we hear that every time someone dies of a... Or just, you know, it's one of those sayings, like, she lit up a room, her smile... And her smile was infectious. But after, after looking at the at a picture of Ellen it's like she has the biggest brightest smile she really does and we'll post a picture of her to our Instagram at murder sisters pod so you can see her big beautiful smile at the time of her death Ellen was working as a first grade teacher Mm -hmm. um, mentioned earlier at Juniata Park Academy and those close to her said that it was no surprise that she became an elementary school teacher because she just loved kids and she absolutely loved her job. And that's what the world needs more of are just awesome mm-hmm. elementary school teachers. In addition to loving her job, Ellen also loved her fiance, Sam Goldberg, who was 28 at the time of Ellen's death. And he worked as a TV producer. So 
They've both got good careers mm-hmm. and very young to have. Such I know. Good that's job. what I was like a TV well, producer at 28. Sorry. Right. Yeah. That's to me. That I'm like, I feel wow. like that's a couple that has their stuff together or they know people. <laughs> um, had dated for three years before Sam proposed to Aaron on the on the rocks at a local beach. So very romantic. Mm-hmm. I'll try to include a picture of um, Ellen showing off her ring just moments after saying yes. And again, um, you'll find that on our Instagram. You can just like see how happy she is in the picture. And from the outside, everything in Ellen's life seemed perfect. You know, it's like she's got this great job. Mm-hmm. She's got a fiance mm-hmm. now who she loves dearly. I mean, she just like has it all going on in her 20s. But if we've learned anything from covering these cases, mm-hmm. not everything is what it appears to be. So correct. Um, you know. Can I keep that in mind? What's going to happen? Yeah. I don't even know. Um, on January 26, 2011, the day that Ellen died, there had been a massive blizzard that sent Ellen home from work early. On her way home, Ellen had made a stop at a local gro- grocery gas mm-hmm. station to fill up her gas tank. So this is an important detail. Just keep it in the back of your mind. All right. Gas mm-hmm. station filled up tank. Ellen arrived home and was hanging out at the apartment that she shared with her fiance, Sam. When Sam decided that he was going to go to the apartment gym for a short workout, and that was around 4.45 p.m. After working out for roughly 30 minutes, Sam returned to the couple's apartment, but he was unable to open the front door because the swing lock had been closed so the swing lock is one of those locks that you see at a hotel. Yeah. It's just like that extra reinforcement mm-hmm. type of thing. But it's like, that's, it's pretty <laughs> a good way to, you would think to keep your door very securely locked. And I know like at a hotel, I, this is not relevant at all, but it's the lock that you can like fold it out the yeah. opposite way and leave it so that the door stays open too. Yeah, that's true. If you don't want to bring your key with you that's to like run very and get like true, a bucket Elisa. of ice or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, so th- that's what the lock we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so um, it was bolted shut, which is odd. And I personally keep my front door locked, but at all times, like, yeah, especially if I'm alone. But if I knew someone was going to be returning shortly after leaving... I probably would have locked the main lock that you can open with a key, but not like yeah. the actual the bolt that you're like, this is definitely going to keep them out. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. They're returning shortly, but let's just lock this. Um, after oh, not, it's weird. Yeah. So he's like not able to get in. After not being able to get into the apartment, Sam called Ellen's phone twice. No answer. And then he proceeded to send a series of text messages to Ellen that got increasingly angry. And the text messages went as follows. Hello, open the door. What are you doing? I'm getting pissed. Hello, you better have an excuse. What the F? Ah! (laughs) That was the last Ah! one? No. And then you have no idea. Okay. All right. I mean, okay. In his defense, I would do it too. And I probably would have said worse things. So irritated. But I also like, yeah, because it's like, what do you do? You're locked out of your apartment yeah. for 30 minutes and your significant other is on the other side of the door. Like, what is going on? Like, not. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I would be how do you so annoyed. In? And where do you go? Because there's a blizzard outside. So it's not like yeah. he can just go somewhere else. 
Um, after, I would be irritated. Yeah, of course. Sure. I think anyone would. I think anyone would. After sending that series of text messages to Ellen and receiving no response, Sam went down to the lobby t- t- <laughs> to <laughs> ask the apartment complex security guard if he could help him break down his door. <laughs> I know. It's like, like, you're big. Can you do this? <laughs> Obviously, well, and it's a security. Yeah, guard. obviously the security guard said no because that's against company policy. Yeah, and the security guard's job is literally to help prevent people from breaking down doors. Yeah, he's like, my job is to do the opposite. Is it, of that? Yeah, can you help break into this? So Sam tried to persuade the security guard a couple more times, and he just was like, "No, dude, not gonna happen." After being told over and over. No, I'm not helping you by the security guard. Sam went back up to his apartment and decided to break down the door himself, which he successfully did. Um, This kind of like blows my mind because if it was that easy to just break down the door, like just kick down a door like that, even with a bolt. Yeah. Then, you know, how safe are you? Yeah. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Um, Eek. I guess Sam did work out. <laughs> Maybe he had just come from, you know, doing a leg day and was feeling extra strong. <laughs> oh feeling my God. bumped. Maybe he took pre-workout. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. We used to take this. Stuff. Oh God. It, it like, made me It was tingle. called Jack. Yeah. <laughs> J- jacked. Yeah. And it would make your blood tingle. Yeah. It would make you feel all, t- Ugh, I don't know. I remember that back when we were like little workouts. Uh, yeah, I do not work out anymore. After breaking down his door, Sam located Ellen in the kitchen where she was in a seated position, kind of propped up in the corner, leaning up against the cabinets. And I found in an article on medium.com. You can, you know, find this article listed in our uh, sources. And that Ellen was gripping a clean white towel in her left hand. And she had fruit on the counter near her. So she was probably in the middle of making a fruit salad for herself when she was either attacked or attacked herself, which still doesn't make any sense to me. Because it was a suicide. It's like, yeah, how? Why? Um, But Elisa will get into more details. Take it away. And I can't wait to hear. Okay. So I have a lot of stuff to go into. As Justine said, when Sam entered the apartment that he shared with Ellen, He saw her kind of like propped up in the corner of the kitchen. Um, She was in a seated position, I guess, like on the floor up against one corner of the cabinets um, with her head slumped over. And she had that clean white towel clenched in her left hand, which is super weird. And she had possibly been like making herself that fruit salad Justine had talked about. Um, And I found a picture from the crime scene photos and it's like there's a... Oh, my God. What are those things called where you rinse, like, pasta and... Oh, God. Corin... Wait. <sighs> colander or... Cal- yeah. Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah. Okay. There's this pre- really pretty colander filled with blueberries. And then it looks like a lemon cut in half. Um, We could try to post that on Instagram. But the thing that I noticed that stuck out the most was you can also see in that picture the knife block is knocked over. Which to oh. me indicates like some sort of struggle. Yeah. So just I'm everything's kind of nice and pretty in, yeah. in its place, and then the knife block is. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I just found that picture and thought it was interesting. So at 6:33 p.m., Sam made a call to 911. 911 uh, calls, as we know, are oftentimes like scrutinized after the fact as a way of like trying to figure out if you can hear something weird in the caller's voice or, you know. If something they said sounded a little off and 
I will say right off the bat that this call is definitely weird. And I know that everyone acts differently in like stressful and traumatic situations. So try to keep that in the back of your mind also. But the call's weird. Um, and I have the actual audio. I included it in our source notes. So if you guys want to listen to it yourselves, I recommend doing so. So when the call first gets picked up by the 911 operator, Sam is like stumbling over his words. And then he finally gets out that his fiance is on the floor and there's blood everywhere. After a while of being like panicked, the operator tells him to calm down and his voice like instantly changes to like calm and collected, which, you know, could mean nothing at all. Um, It could just mean like he realized he needed to calm down in order to get anything done. So the thing that kind of got me was the fact that the 911 operator had to like transfer his call to the fire department. And while that was going on, all you could hear was Sam breathing. Hmm. He wasn't, it was like all his talking and everything stopped when that call was being transferred. So he wasn't trying to talk to Ellen. He wasn't trying to like, Oh, you know, it was just him breathing. Uh, Ah, so I don't know. Well, why would he try to talk to her? He didn't know that she was like, yeah, I guess. And then another thing that stuck out about the call was that when the fire department dispatched, dispatched her, Oh my God. Dispatcher asked him what was wrong. He went into so much detail about how he went downstairs, went to the gym. The door was latched, not being able to get in touch with her via her cell phone and then knocking down the door. And then he finally gets to, and my fiance is on the kitchen floor covered in blood. Mm -hmm. She was like, okay. Like she was asking more like, what is wrong with her? And he told his oh, whole, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Like when people call and they're actually guilty of a murder and they're like, they want to, I just like, got I, home and I was mm-hmm. out grocery That's shopping. Say, but who knows what you would do? Yeah. Okay. To me, all of those details don't really matter um, at all when speaking to the dispatcher. Like, you know, yeah. it's like, you just don't you, know how you're you just would. like, hey, come help my fiance. Mm-hmm. She's covered in blood. It's like, it doesn't matter what you were doing. But the dispatcher then asks if he's willing to do CPR with her assistance over the phone. And he almost sounds like annoyed. And he says, what? I have to, right? Oh my gosh. So, <gasps> yeah, it was like really weird. Well, another and thing. After- that might be another thing where it's like, you know. I don't know. Uh, I don't, okay. I'm no. playing. I'm way too hard. I mean, playing here, here's the thing. If you devil's advocate here came into a situation and you found me covered in blood, slumped over in the corner of my kitchen and they were yeah. like, we're going to help you do CPR on uh, her. Yeah, I would you do would say, any, uh, do, do I, I have, have to? to? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so after being instructed to remove Ellen's shirt, He then says very calmly, and it honestly sounds like really bad acting, like Mm. really bad acting, but I'm trying really hard to like not judge, but he goes, oh my God, she stabbed herself. She fell on a knife. Well, no, her knife is sticking out. And it's like, what? Her Mm -hmm. knife is sticking out? And the operator's like, what? And then he says, there's a knife sticking out of her heart, (gasps) like super calm. There's a knife sticking out of her heart. It was really weird. And the 911 call to me was odd. But again, Mm -hmm. really trying not to judge. Um, Everyone responds differently. But maybe like him saying she was stabbed, she stabbed herself, or 
she fell on a knife came from the fact that the door was latched and he was like logically the only person in this place was her yeah but Mm -hmm. so that's the 911 call okay so after police arrive and ellen was pronounced dead her body was taken to have an autopsy performed but the assistant medical examiner at the time, who's named Dr. Marlon Osborne. Mm-hmm. And I found the actual autopsy report. Talk about rabbit hole, man. Lisa. <laughs> I found all of the case files. Like, they're all on the internet. And, of course, I included a link. Um, the actual report was completed by him, Dr. Marlon Osborne. And he had listed the cause of death as multiple stab wounds and the manner of death as homicide. Oh, so yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, the external examination started on January 27th, 2011 at 9 a.m. And the internal examination started at 11 a.m. on that same day. And according to the report, all in all, there were 20 stab wounds to Ellen's body. Whoa. So there were stab wounds in her chest her abdomen, the back of her neck, <gasps> and the cervical spinal cord at C2, C3. So, Lisa, you really did go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> like, also all right. also noted in the initial autopsy report was the fact that the knife, which was 12 and a half centimeters, was um, 10 centimeters. 10 centim- 10 centimeters, <laughs> 10 centimeters. <laughs> oh my God. 10 centimeters. <laughs> 10 centimeters Do I have to deep. Give her CPR? <laughs> and she had multiple contusions on the upper and lower extremities that were in various stages of resolution, meaning she basically had bruising on her body that was healing at different stages. Oh, so that's an um, indication of maybe like uh abuse or something well okay (laughs) unless she's a gymnast or or unless she's me oh Um, yeah me too you should hear how many times i say ow a day i mean i have i can yeah but like justine said you can have multiple bruises like i can i know for a fact on my body right now i have at least two bruises at least no way that are in different stages of healing i have one on my kneecap <laughs> and one on my hip and that's just two that i know okay of. and okay. they're both in different stages of healing All one's right. green one's purple oh wow um oh wow y'all. so like i the bruising to me is you've always like been a bruise irrelevant bruise-y. yeah some people bruise easily doesn't really mean anything um but what did strike me odd is the fact that the like the initial manner of death was listed as homicide. Mm-hmm. And then later on March 7th, 2011, so a few months later, the examiner's office reversed their initial ruling and changed the manner of death from homicide to suicide. Okay. So this was only after Dr. Marlon Osborne had met with investigators to discuss the case. So they basically convinced him to change his ruling by showing him the evidence that they had. So in my opinion, this change had more to do with police evidence and not with the state of Ellen's body, mm-hmm. Okay, you know, at yeah. the time of the autopsy. Yeah. So basically they, in my opinion, they talked him into changing yeah. the ruling. That manner. It, which should you should separate it and then based on the corner then they should say all right so now we have to investigate this as a yeah huh 
So they were basically like, don't call it a murder because then we're going to have to do something. Yeah. I don't want to. Please. Um, So. And with the amount of stab wounds, it's it's, like. And the back of the neck. Oh, God. So there are basically two viable options in terms of what happened to Ellen that we're looking at here. So that's suicide and murder. So let's go over suicide first. According to Ellen's parents, Ellen was suffering from pretty severe anxiety. Ellen's mom stated that only a few months before Sam and Ellen were set to be married, that Ellen had asked her parents if she could move back home with them without Sam. (gasps) But she also stated, so she said, I don't want to talk about why, Mm -hmm. but it has nothing to do with Sam. Oh, what? So she didn't want to go into details, but she said it's not related to Sam at all. And at that time, Ellen kind of, Ellen's mom suggested that she gets, you know, go to therapy, which she yeah. did. And she actually started Clonopan. Clonopan? Uh, yeah. I is that? I don't really know what the. I think that is one of those things where you, when you're getting like a panic, a panic attack, attack you take like, it. Yeah. It's not so one of those. Situational. It's mm-hmm. not like. One of those daily your, things. Yeah. Okay. So don't we sh- sound like we know what <laughs> we do. Yeah. One of the. Uh, yeah. 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 We're experts. So and she did say that helped momentarily, but Ellen was still struggling with her anxiety and it was bad. And it was so bad that she was actually considering resigning from her teaching job because according to Ellen's therapist, which I'm like, you're sh- sharing her, the, sh- the sh- therapist. Sorry, oh, the Lisa. Therapist. This is going to be a lot of editing How for now, me. brown cow? <laughs> um, it's okay. Um, the therapist said that there were apparently a few different students that were difficult yeah in Ellen's classroom that were giving her a hard time and that was the cause and source of her anxiety oh, oh so then she wanted to quit and then mm-hmm. she'd have to move home like yeah she well she wouldn't no, have to because if you're married yeah so okay. the therapist also said that there was no signs that Ellen was being abused by Sam and that she even like when she talked about Sam she would smile and kind of light up a little bit so and this is okay. according to the therapist. Mm-hmm. To me, that means nothing. N- nothing Lisa. <laughs> I mean, nothing really means anything to me because it's like, is anyone truly 100% honest with the Words therapist? Words don't mean much. Words don't hold yeah. much water. It's like all about f- the evidence and yeah. facts. And adding to the idea that Ellen had completed suicide was the fact that Ellen's fingerprints were the only ones found on the knife that was used to kill her, which doesn't mean anything. Uh, there was also no other DNA or fingerprints found in the apartment aside from Ellen and Sam's also means nothing to me. So basically it wasn't, they're saying like it wasn't an intruder unless, you know, they were wearing gloves, which is very possible to me. Police later discovered further evidence on Ellen's laptop, which was not, was not password protected. (laughs) Oh, so anyone could have accessed her laptop and performed the following searches. (laughs) Painless suicide and quick suicide, which stabbing yourself 20 times. That's what I'm like. Okay, is not quick or painless. It's like stab yourself in the back of the neck. Okay, then between your C2 and your C. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like that. That's like, no, that supports more the murder theory. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. There were also other searches found on her laptop. Like she looked for suicide methods on Wikipedia and she performed that search on December 18th, 2010. So just like the month prior to her death. And she, that was like 2.36 PM. 
And that was a Saturday I checked because I was like, oh, was she teaching that day? You know, so it was a Saturday Mm -hmm. Um, along with searches regarding Zoloft versus Prozac and sertraline, including those drugs and weight gain related to those medications. And those searches were performed on January 9th, 2011, between 3.13 and 3.31 a.m. Okay. Wow. So super random early in the morning. So she's up and, you know, early searching for this stuff, if it's her. So all in all, that is the evidence that the police had to support their theory that Ellen had completed suicide. That is insane. Yeah, I do. I also found a 2015 retrospective study of blade and wound characteristics in suicide and homicide. Uh And according to the study, it says, and I quote, multiple stab wounds were found in 10% of homicides and in 0% of -hmm. suicides. Nice, nice stat there. Well, yeah, I would do that multiple times. Yeah. It's like you try maybe once and you're you like, try. oh, you try it like maybe once and then you realize how and it's painful. like, why the back of the neck? The neck, yeah. So now let's move on to like the murder theory. Um, and I want to say right off the bat that I think everyone, including the police, focused way too much on the fact that that swing lock was engaged and that <laughs> it could have only been done from inside the apartment. Like I, the first thing I thought of was like, I wish the police had done an experiment to see if you could activate that swing lock, swing lock from the outside. And here's where, here's another thing. Because How do we know if he kicked down the door? How do we know? That's another thing. Yeah. Okay. So like it, even if it was closed, um, I feel like a wire hanger could easily. Yeah. I feel like you could easily do that. And I will, I didn't have time to look it up prior <laughs> to recording this, but I'm going to, because I'm pretty confident that you can somehow I feel like a wire hanger would do it but that would be weird you'd have to be on the outside of the hallway and like with a wire who cares it was a snowstorm nobody was out of their apartments okay I mean I Mm -hmm. no one saw any I I don't know so it was Sam I just no I'm just saying (laughs) I don't think that it's impossible to lock that from the outside so if that is the case then murder is much more reasonable Oftentimes, the right answer is the one that's that makes the most sense. The easiest, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the one that makes the most sense is yeah. the answer. And they focus so heavily on the fact that that swing lock was engaged. Yeah, that is that's another thing where it's like, okay, how do they even know? Yeah, they don't know. They're taking. This- I mean, he could have kicked down the door, or whatever, kicked down the door. And then, like, broken the swing lock. Well, that's what I'm like. He could have done anything and been like, see, it was like this. Yeah. And then, like, also police stated that there was no other DNA or fingerprints found in the apartment or other knife found in Ellen or or on the knife found in Ellen's chest. But the police did not perform a luminal test of the apartment. Mm. So... Of course they not. don't know if there was a cleanup done. Wow. They don't know Elisa. if anything or yeah. if there were footprints that were. They yeah. Don't, yeah. Because they didn't really investigate it. I cannot believe that. Yeah. yeah. So like if the attacker wore gloves or they wiped down their fingerprints and stuff after we don't know that because they didn't really test anything. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like the reasons to rule out murder are definitely not strong enough. And it really didn't make sense to me that the police kind of gave these bullshit reasons why it couldn't be murder without actually investigating it. I couldn't really figure out why they wouldn't investigate or why they met with the medical examiner 
examiner to try to basically talk him into or convince him to changing the manner of death to suicide. Mm -hmm. But in my research, I did find out that Sam had a very powerful uncle that was a judge. And his name is Judge. Yeah, he's Judge James C. Schwartzman. And he was a former prosecutor and was at the time the vice chairman of the board of directors of the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority. Okay. And he was described as being politically connected and important. Yeah. I I had this a feeling I'm like, it's got to be politics. And this man did some weird stuff. So supposedly... Judge Schwartzman was actually, so that's Sam's uncle. He was actually at the scene when the emergency responders arrived at Ellen and Sam's apartment. What? This is some research that I found. Uh So meaning that Sam had contacted him either immediately before or after speaking with 911 dispatchers and his uncle actually like beat the first responders to the scene. Whoa. So also the following morning around 9 a.m., So that's on January 27th. Judge Schwartzman contacted the couple's apartment complex manager, and her name's Melissa Ware. Mm -hmm. And he requested access to the couple's apartment to supposedly get a suit for Sam to wear to Ellen's funeral. And Melissa did, she did the right thing here, and she did contact police and say, like, he's asking, yeah, basically, is that okay or is Mm -hmm. that a no-no? They're like, whatever. (laughs) Well, yeah, they said, go for it. We don't give a shit. The crime scene is has been released. It hadn't Uh, even been 24 hours. Well, it's not actually even a crime. So, yeah. So on everything, touch whatever you want. So they were like, go for it. And so Melissa and they also said, oh, and you can while you're at it, you can also contact crime scene cleanup and have them clean the apartment. Oh, and this was not even 24 hours after. Well, yeah, because they, her. they were like, yeah. So politics, politics. Judge Schwartzman sure. not only supposedly got that suit for the funeral for Sam, but he also helped himself to cell phones, laptops and quote unquote other items in the couple's apartment. Yeah. So I'm like, how in the hell did the police not already have all those items in their possession? Because like, it's not a crime. This tells me that from the get-go, it was not treated as Well, the as judge a was murderer. there when the police before the police got yeah. there. So he could be like, hey, yeah. This is clearly it's super sketchy. A suicide, right? Yeah. yeah. And so since Ellen's death on January 26, 2011, Ellen's parents, Sandy and Josh, have been fighting to have their daughter's case reopened and investigated properly. However, Without new evidence, it will be nearly impossible for that to happen. And I did find an Instagram account for their fight, and it's at Justice for Ellen. And then they also have a petition on change.org to get the case reopened. And um, I will include links to both. And according to the change.org petition page, it says top forensic pathologists all agree the case is highly suspicious of murder. Josh Shapiro, the Pennsylvania attorney general, is the only person with the power to reopen Ellen's case. Josh Shapiro has continuously refused to do and even went to do so. Sorry. And even went as far as fabricating that the attorney general's office conducted a thorough investigation. Josh Shapiro is planning to run for governor of Pennsylvania in 2022. Our hope is everyone can persuade Josh Shapiro that he cannot sweep Ellen's case under the rug as he seeks a higher office. 
And then it says, please sign our petition and please reach out to Pennsylvania Attorney General Josh Shapiro to ask him to reopen the case. So this case is completely insane. I could have included so much more information, but it was, I like I said, I was going down a rabbit hole, mm-hmm. like big time rabbit hole. And there was just so much information and I didn't want to include a bunch in muddy waters. And yeah. So basically... I mean, I don't want to. It was Sam. But we're not supposed (laughs) to say that. We have to be careful. Um, (sighs) You know, everyone's entitled to their thoughts and theories about this. But I will go as far as saying I she was murdered. She was murdered. Um, I'm not going to say by who. Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) You know, (laughs) just in case. I don't know. Um, But it's just like the fact that they can just say oh yeah suicide like it's scary that you could just make something I know a lot of stuff is scary when it comes to like and I found it really is it's like so I by money also found an image it was like a reenactment or recreation of the autopsy wound location Mm, thing yeah so it's not actually her autopsy but it shows with actual like animated knives where the knife wounds were Mm mm-hmm um, I found the image, so I'm. I we could try to put it on Instagram. Okay, there's absolutely zero way that someone could do that to themselves. Yeah, no, I don't believe it for a second. I, None at all, whatsoever. at all. And why is she like making fruit salad? Then she's like, actually, instead of eating fruit, yeah, I'm going to take gonna this 30 myself. minute opportunity. And how convenient he was gone for 30 minutes, and in right. that 30 minute time frame. She killed herself violently. And then he's like going to the security guard who I'm sure he knows would already would say like, no, I'm yeah. not going to do that. Um, yeah. Just so he kind of like, like set a, an alibi. Yeah. My bolt is locked because I don't even believe that the bolt thing was locked. And here's I the just don't. thing. Maybe he was hoping like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym because I think he. Well, OK, I'm not saying he did. I think she was killed and possibly he tried to establish an alibi. Mm-hmm. By going to the gym. Yeah. And maybe there was nobody there. Oh. So he's like, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, like. Elisa. I, I can work yeah. out or whatever. And yeah. then I need yeah, to have somebody else like idea. see me. Yeah. And that's hear, what I'm like. Know, I feel like that because there was interaction a was him. Big blizzard. Yeah. Like no one was out of their apartment. And I'm like, no who one wants to go. You, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I would probably maybe. work out. Elisa. <laughs> Um, I would and, hit that you treadmill. Know, okay, here I am being devil's advocate. Is there a window where somebody could have gained so, access and then they bolted and then they left another out the part. window? And that's another part I forgot. So I wrote like two different scripts and then like pieced them together and mm-hmm. I think I left this part out. Mm-hmm. Um, they were on the sixth floor. Mm-hmm. So there was no viable way for them to get out a window. And supposedly, and I say supposedly because we know there was no actual investigation. Uh, they had a back patio slider like most apartments do. Mm-hmm. And supposedly the snow there was undisturbed. So uh, that was kind of their. If there was a blizzard. That's what I know. I'm like. <laughs> undisturbed. What does yeah. that mean when there's a blizzard? And um, maybe. But they're on the sixth floor. Yeah. Like or parkouring the l- down the. <laughs> bottom man. Yeah. And it's like, why her? Um, or like on that TikTok, that TikTok girl that found a whole entire apartment behind her. Oh my God. Her bathroom mirror. Yeah. Maybe that was <laughs> it. 
<laughs> little hobbit oh, hole. Oh, gosh. All right. So that was another. I well, thought that was going to be way longer than it was. No, because you were excited. I so know. you wanted to talk about it. Isn't that a crazy case, though? Yeah, it is. It's it, like justice for Ellen is what it I reminds me of the Tamla horse forward. Totally. Where the case. police just were just like, like, whatever. We're going to wash our hands of this and just. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious to everyone around. Yeah, it's like, how is how this does that happening? Get, yeah, how does that even. Because you know, there's pl- one person in charge, yeah. like the like this petition. It's like there's this one person, and he's on. He this- might be he might be golf buddies with yeah. Judge Schwartzman. Yep, and that's or maybe all it Judge takes. Schwartzman helped get boys. his son off a yeah. DUI when he was a prosecutor. At least you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. 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 So he was Faiva. Yeah. Now will you get my nephew off of murder? Should yeah. Call it not, not done a problem. Done. done and done. Golf this Saturday. All right. Deal. See you. See you on the green. Supposed to be great weather. All right. <sighs> Woo. So that concludes Wraps episode thirty six. Wow. Can't wait till we get to fifty. I know. I thought. Well, we should have been to fifty by the end it's of the all year. It's alright, but it's okay. All right. Well, little, little victories. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah. Thank and you. if you guys have any cases you want us to cover or have any thoughts on any of these cases, um, feel free to email us at murdersisterspod at gmail dot com. That is murdersisterspod at gmail dot com. Bye. Bye. Bye.